This episode of the podcast is brought to you by spending your life learning how to speak Latin and then walking into a Catholic church and then speaking in tongues just to scare everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roller Credits Podcast, the only podcast that will give you anthrax. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing 2021's The Power of the Dog. I suppose. A Western, which I have a soft spot for. Mm-hmm. Um, Romance-ish. Homosexual romance. Which I which have I, a soft spot <laughs> for. <laughs> which we both definitely have a soft spot for. Uh, written and directed by Jane Campion. She's mm-hmm. like... This is like her first film in like 12 years or something yeah. like that. I looked up like her her filmography and I was like, I don't know any of these things. Yeah, she's um she hasn't made a lot, um, but clearly she felt very passionate about this to get her out of retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and starring, this was a book, right? It was a book written by Tom Savage um, back in like the 60s, I believe it came mm-hmm. out. Cousin of Fred Savage? <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> oh. um, so starring Benedict Cumberbatch, who plays Phil, who's mm-hmm. kind of like your rough and rugged uh, just kind of classic rancher. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have Jesse Plemons, who plays George, his brother. Mm-hmm. You have Cody Smith McPhee, who plays Peter, who mm-hmm. is the, we'll call him the sensitive one. <laughs> and then Kirsten Dunst, who plays Rose, who ends up becoming Jesse Plemons, i.e. George, uh, uh, wife. And, um, and then she, they end up moving on to the plantation or ranch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would say ranch. It's a ranch. Uh, and generally, I would say that's pretty much like the most of your cast. Like, gen- like for the most part, that's really everybody who um, matters. What's her name? Uh, Mackenzie something that's in this. She, oh yeah, yeah. She's like, she, like I see her in like she's in everything, but she's never like a, a significant part. It's so weird. <laughs> Except uh, for um, what was the new movie that we just watched? Uh, uh, uh with Anya Taylor Joy too. Oh, uh, Edgar Wright's film. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Last Night in Soho. Yes. That, that's yeah. the only other... That's the only movie I think I've seen her in that Where she's she was like a main character. Yeah. You're right. She was in The King with uh, Timothy Chalamet. She played his sister. Mm-hmm. She was in like one scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like... She was in... um, what was it? The the Kelly Gang. She was like... Oh, right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The girlfriend-ish thing. She has a very particular voice. Oh. I, I don't I know it. if I like it. It's very Scottish, it's very I think. mousy and like... Yeah, kind of like Scottish. I don't know what it is, but... Not a, not a huge fan. I like her. Um, okay, anyway, so The Power <laughs> of the Dog. It's a film about a rancher named Phil who is very, very uh, rough and rugged and I would say mean. <laughs> yeah, very particular about like what goes on and like how he runs things. Yep, and his brother George and they are ranchers and George ends up marrying a woman and they end up she ends up moving on to the ranch with her and her son and... There is a confrontation that is mostly powered by banjo homosexual uh, tension. Yeah, that uh, I think is a very unique take on a western because you don't see that very often in a western film. Brokeback Mountain. That's very that's very true, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much like the only other one that I can like draw a comparison to. Do mm-hmm. um, you know Sam Elliott, the actor? I yeah yeah. He's like got like the the very thick mustache, mm-hmm. all gray. He went on a tirade about how much he hates this movie because really? of the homosexual like innuendos and whatnot. Really? In this film. Oh my god, he was tearing it apart. Hmm. Uh, he was talking about how the director that a it's a woman, so she doesn't really she doesn't understand it because she's from New Zealand. So he's mm. like, it's a woman's perspective. She's from New Zealand. They filmed it in New Zealand. 
how can you make a Western? And it's all about like homosexuality. And he was like really, really pissed about it. Wow. Um, so I personally disagree. <laughs> I don't think you. Should, I, don't, I don't think you should take any film that serious. No, uh, I mean like like as as like I guess you could call us like film critics. Like we we rip shit apart, but we have like a, a point where we're like no, but like this is the meaning of it, and we actually film. enjoy it. At yeah, the end like, of the day, it's a movie. It's a piece it, of art. Like it's obviously, not, it's not affecting me. Yeah, it's not affecting my day to day life. If we're talking about it, it did its job. Right. Yeah. Um, so I know that you kind of had, you were not really super enthused about watching this film. So it's funny, like, I, story time, um, the first time that I watched this, because, like, obviously, like, the time that it came out, like, I saw the trailer and I was like, wow, like, this looks really, really interesting, super into Benedict Cumberbatch, really don't like Kirsten Dunst, um, don't mind Jesse Plemons, he's okay. For the most Um, part, I like him. Yeah, and I saw the trailer and I absolutely thought this was gonna be great, and then I heard, like, it was nominated for, like, a bunch of Oscars, so I was like, my god, like, it's gotta be great. And then I watched it and like... But you didn't watch it in full, correct? Or you So did? what happened was like I, I watched it with like my family and I ended up falling asleep like halfway through. And I was like... I, I came back to and I was like, yeah, like I gotta I gotta take like a day for it. Yeah. Um, and everybody that was awake was like, you know, like it's super boring. Don't want to watch it. Like, let's just cut it here. And then like a week goes by and I'm like, I really got to finish it just so in that way I can like get back to it. Yeah. And I started it from like where I fell asleep and I ended up not really liking it after that time. And then watching it for the podcast, I ended up almost falling asleep again <laughs> <laughs> while watching this. I was like, no, I got to fight through this. I'm like chugging espresso. So, so, so overall, not, not, not good for you, huh? Um, I didn't really like it, man. That's surprising. Um, I like boring movies. This is a boring movie. But it's I hate that you always say that you like boring movies and that this is a boring movie because I don't think that this is a boring film. It's, it's a slow movie. It is a very slow burn. This movie moved at the pace of molasses. Which I think was the point. I think so. Mm. But I think that it works well to a certain degree. I think that this movie could have benefited from about 20 minutes being shaved off. Um, and I don't think it's a perfect film. Mm. I think the metaphors and the things that it's oh, trying yeah. to say are like really what makes me want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I will admit that it's it's slow mm-hmm. and it can be tedious at times, but I almost feel like that is a little that's kind of the point of it. And that's also the movie is built on tension. Yes. And, and like it is there and the music is there to help it. Yeah. And that slow pace of the film, especially in the first half for mm-hmm. me, that slow pace of the tension really enhances it because it feels like we're like it starts off as room temperature water mm-hmm. and then it becomes a simmer and then it becomes a little bit more and it becomes a little bit more and we're reaching a boiling point and you're sitting there thinking one of two things has to happen mm-hmm. either something catastrophic is going to happen which is going to make this thing entirely explode on itself and it's going to be an, a very very impactful ending mm-hmm. or these two are going to come to a head and realize that they're not as they're not they don't their differences are not what they thought they were and they end up becoming friends and everybody lives happily ever after. Yeah. And you get neither one of those endings. Yeah. Which is I think what most people's problem with this film is is that it You it, don't really get a justified there, ending. There's not it's not as cathartic as I think people want it to be. But mm-hmm. I I've watched this film three times. Mm-hmm. I think that the ending is extremely satisfying for what it is. 
It's okay. I, I have some things that I want to talk about that, and obviously we're going to get into that like probably later on with it. Um, I do, I, I, I want to say, I, I did say that it was a boring film, like it's a very slow burn, like, and that's fine. It's a slow burn. I feel like we, like somehow, some way, it was very rushed of George and Rose's marriage. So I think my biggest complaint with the film Again, I don't think that this is a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I can obviously see the flaws in it. And I think that my biggest problem with the film is the editing. Mm-hmm. I think that things happen in this movie and you're not sure has has a day passed or has three weeks passed. Yeah. Or has, has an hour passed? passed. We don't know. And the way that it's divided into chapters... I don't think really helps it, but it, it, it helps a little bit because like, in my opinion, um, Rose's character mm-hmm. feels so dramatic in like for her, no her downturn. And it feels like what, how did we become al- like an alcoholic? Here? Yeah. Because like, it's literally just from not being that great at piano and, <laughs> and fucking Phil just being like, I can play the banjo way better than you can play the piano. And then I really like that. Like it literally like burned a hole through her of him just like whistling the tune that she couldn't get yeah. right. Yeah. And it was just sticking in her head. And like that. And scene again, of, that's like, like really good tension. Yes, building. That was like, especially too when he's on like the second floor of the house and he's whistling outside. Yeah. And she's like taking a swig of the bottle. Right. And then she's looking like, around because she can hear it. Yeah. I was like, that's good. That's that stuff. Yeah, it is. But how did we get there? Right. It, it feels a little like, wow, why is she now in the hallway? Like the, her alcoholism for me felt very rushed. Mm-hmm. Like another another weird point of um, of like editing choices was when Peter is learning how to ride his horse mm-hmm. and Phil, he, he has him on the horse, Phil's in the background and he tells him like he falls off the horse and he's like, get up. Like, you know, you, you know, no one's going to help you out there or whatever. And then the horse runs away. He's like, oh, never, never, not, uh, never mind, I guess. And then the next shot, mm-hmm. Peter is like riding his horse out and out and about by himself. And I'm like, how did we get there? Like, well, <laughs> even to like the relationship between Peter and Phil, it's like for a good like sixty percent of the movie, he's just calling him like a Nancy. Like he, he's, he's got to like toughen up. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, they go off together and like they do that job of like putting the pillars around like the giant haystack yeah and now all of a sudden it feels like there's a relationship blossoming yeah but But again like he does like when 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 peter's walking and he like sees the whatever the birds up in the tree and then he ends up walking back and peter or phil uh calls him over and he's like i feel like we got off on the wrong foot uh because the scene prior to that is him bathing nude covered Mm -hmm. in mud and then chasing him away yeah and i i guess i I don't know. For me, it just feels uneven, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to like, yeah. explain it. Like, it doesn't feel like there's justification for, like, uh, this shift. Right. But you also have to realize that Phil is trying to con. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's not... It's not a genuine relationship. No. He, there, I think that there is like, towards a the certain end. point of him mm-hmm. that... I think, the re- I think there's two reasons why he pursues Peter. One of them is to torture his mother. Mm-hmm. And the second being for his personal um, self mm-hmm. of wanting this. He sees him. He, he sees himself in him because, of course, the big thing of like Bronco Henry and at the end 
uh, Peter asks him like, "How old were you when you when you uh, you know when you were with Bronco Henry?" And he was like, "Probably about your age." Mm-hmm. So I think that Phil sees himself in Peter. Yeah, and, and they I think they must have had when Phil was younger. Him and Bronco Henry must have had, if not a homosexual relationship, in Phil's mind, he was starting to like fall in love with him. I think so because like if you if you really look at like the detail of like when Peter is out there like after the bird scene and like goes into like the little woods area and like like climbs through the little hole and finds the box of like male porno basically. Yeah. It says at the top right corner that it's uh Broncos right magazines. Right, yeah. So it's like there obviously has to be something there where it's like this sexual tension. Yeah. Like there was something going on between Bronco and Phil. Right. So obviously that will relate to then Phil and Peter. Right. Which I, makes sense. Like I get that. Yeah. Like I I like that portion of it. Yeah. The the film I think as a character study. Yes. Is really where this movie excels. Yes. And I get why it ended up becoming like an Oscar bait type thing. And I don't like I don't want to like really use that term because it's like well you just did I know <laughs> <laughs> it's too late it's out there in the world but like it really uh, like there are things about this film that like really fit well into that yeah um two other things that I had like a big issue with uh and then we can start talking about some positives um I didn't buy Rose's and George's relationship at all that's funny because they're actually married in real life I know which is funny <laughs> <laughs> like I found that out like um. But, like, I really didn't buy their relationship, like, on screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, again, it, it it's the editing, like we talked about. Like, something felt really rushed where it's like, oh, you had a bad dinner. Hey, I let me. you. Let me go become the waiter real quick. Yeah. And now we're married. Hey, we're married. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like, hey, I bought you a piano so you can play. Oh, I'm not that good. And then, like, after that, it's just kind of like they barely talk to each other. Yeah. Um. What else? I think it's weird, too, how, like. Phil, like they talk about him like being a graduate of Yale. Yeah, he's he's very very educated. He's mm-hmm. extremely smart. Um, I like that about him because he's yeah. he's decided to not go that path. He mm-hmm. ends he wants to become a rancher. He wants to live that kind of cowboy lifestyle. Yeah, and I think that's that plays to again the character study of him wanting to be macho and this kind of facade mm-hmm. of him being extremely masculine and and rough and and rugged um i like that a lot mm-hmm. um the only other thing is like i just again too i didn't really buy and i again i like jesse plemons i just i didn't really his acting is like awkward every now and again mm. um and i just don't care for kirsten dunce so like for me it was like a weird kind of like you just don't like her so yeah it was just kind of like a, a weird like Dakota johnson for you i don't hate her i just think that like she has this way about her that i dislike in films yeah yeah i, I think kirsten dunce does a fine job mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that like their characters get enough character development mm-hmm. in my opinion for me to truly really care about her and and him like their relationship with one another is yeah. it's fine but benedict cumberbatch on the other hand incredible he is the star of oh my this God. film absolutely like, this like if nothing else his performance is what made me care about this film yeah like and and i love the fact too that like you can even see like the difference physically 
between him and his brother George right off the bat as like they're leading the cattle and you look at his hat as opposed to George's hat right where it's like his is like torn and ripped and like very rugged he's, he's a worker yeah and George's is like very pristine very yeah. proper like very fitted to him yeah and it's like right off the bat you can see that and I'm a big stickler for like physically seeing without any like dialogue like what the character is about right yeah plus i love the kind of the david and goliath kind of story that this movie is because phil is again the strong one the one that kind of intimidates everybody mm-hmm. um and peter is this very delicate delicate flower. yeah he's and like i love the the compare like the contrast between them i mean he's the actor is so skinny Mm-hmm. He is so thin. And that's like just him. I think that's just him. That is like it's just him in every movie. Yeah, every he's film. so thin and you see him like wearing these these this clothing and you're just like wow, like mm-hmm. you are just such a complete opposite and you are the David in this David and Goliath story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I don't know, I I love that kind of comparison of it because there is something about uh the idea of you know, the underdog winning. Yeah. And that's what this movie is, right? Yeah. Like, it, it really is a film about, like, what are you willing to do to help your family? What are you... Yeah, and, like, what happens... Because, like, the title of the film, right, The Power of the Dog, like, for me, implies what happens when you back a dog into the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, the dog is is um been completely domesticated. He's normal. He's fine. He's friendly. And then slowly but surely you keep slowly backing him into this corner and eventually he's going to have to bite. Yeah. And that's what I take. Like, that's the biggest thing about this movie that I love because Phil, I love Benedict Cumberbatch as Phil in this film. So fun fact too, like um, when he was brought on like to do this film, um, Jane Campion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was, she introduced him. She was like, Hey everyone, this is Benedict Cumberbatch. You're not going to meet him until we're done shooting. This is Phil. And Benedict for the entirety of shooting was just like this rough and tough, like rugged, like asshole. Right. Just to stay in character for yeah. it. And people hated him for it. That's what you got to do. But like, that's what it's happens. a hell of a performance. Yeah. And then at the end he was like, Hey, so sorry about that. All that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I love the introduction to him for the mm-hmm. most part, and like when they go to the dinner, and he's like, he, he's like, "What kind of lady made mm-hmm. these beautiful things?" And he lights it on fire, and Peter's there, and he's like, "I actually made them." And my mom's a florist, or whatever she was, um, and you immediately have this tension between them, mm-hmm. and Phil is making fun of him because he's you know making fun of him his sexuality, mm-hmm. and and uh, Peter, who. This, the one thing I like about this film that, that I realized on the second time watching is Peter is actually always in control, but you never realize mm-hmm. that. Absolutely. And the, and you realize that I got that like once he started dissecting the rabbit. Yes. And I was like, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. serial that, killer that, vibes. That changes everything. Mm-hmm. When you realize that he when he when he snaps that uh the one rabbit's neck mm-hmm. uh when they when when the when they injure the the leg mm-hmm. and he snaps that neck and even Phil was like whoa like I wasn't yeah. expecting that <laughs> and um when he dissects the rabbit and then you kind of like go back and rewatch it and you're like he's 
he he seems like he's the one who's like being made fun of and whatnot, mm-hmm. but he's like slowly and meticulously moving his chess pieces around. Well, that's why I liked rewatching this film too, because like the first line of the film of Peter explaining like makes total sense, where he's like, "What would what are you willing to do for your mother?" Yeah, like stuff like that. Like, yeah, it it was just like, "Wow, that's really what this film is about." <laughs> yeah, and 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 you get that. Mm-hmm. I love to. I we 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 kind of brushed on it a little bit. Although it feels a little rushed and whatnot, I do like the dynamic between Phil and Rose. I love the idea of of her coming into his domain mm-hmm. and him just like tormenting her mm-hmm. and her not being able to handle it and then and then turning to alcohol as her way of coping and and seeing her son then befriend him. Yeah. It was a very interesting turn. Yeah. I'll say that. And like even to like the scene where it's like she's like throwing up because she has withdrawal from alcohol. Right. Yeah. It's just like, wow, like all of this was forced literally by like whistling. Yeah. And and that was really funny. Like the the idea that like, you know, it, it hits you this hard and he's gotten to you this much. And it's like then you get that point of like her selling or just giving away the pelts yeah and it's like that just fucking irated phil yeah yeah. and that was like her way of getting back because he's such a bastard he, yeah he's he like he's, he would rather burn them than mm-hmm. give them to somebody which well, also the, doesn't the make sense Americans. just a, a, it's a weird concept like it doesn't make sense to like take all that time to like skin them and like hang them out and right. like let them dry. But that's, that's his mentality. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's just I, doing I'm, it. I'm, well, he's using it for the rope, of course. Well, yeah. But the ones that he's left over that he doesn't need anymore, he'll just get rid of and burn and he would rather just burn them in, in, other than sharing them with the Native Americans, mm-hmm. which is like, it just kind of shows you exactly the type of person that he is. Yeah. And it's a fucking scumbag. <laughs> the score of this film? Yeah, it's really cool. Again, uh, Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. That we've seen before, like, yeah, (laughs) like, amazing. Like, I love the fact that, like, he decided to go not the usual Western style. Correct. um, And decided to go, like, very, like, very dark, like, very piano heavy, very banjo heavy, very violin heavy. Yeah. As opposed to, like, that more, like rambunctious style yeah, that like you would that see in classic Western. Western yeah. Little, da, 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 yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. But also this movie wouldn't like justify that either. No. Cause it's just not that kind of Western. No, but like it really gives you that tension building, like that mood right off the bat of like what this film is. And I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they're gorgeous cinematography. In this oh my film. God. This movie is beautiful. The only thing is like, it was like the first time, um, when like they were driving on the road, I think it was like George's character, like on the car, and it's like oh, that whole mountainside area. I was like, I've seen this in a Ford commercial before. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it's like driving the new Ford F one fifty. Yeah. Um. I also love the setup and payoff of the Anthrax mm-hmm. because it's it's one of the first things that Phil says. Yeah, and it's kind of a throwaway line. Yeah, it is exactly. And and then it and then it comes full circle. And I've I've mentioned this before of how much I love a setup and a payoff. Yeah. Like you set it up in the beginning and then it comes full circle. Mm-hmm. And this movie does that very, very well. Um I also love the idea of the castration. Yeah. When, when he cuts off the, the the and he like nicks his thumb and he mm-hmm. goes, you know, what I think he says something to the effect of like castrate fifteen thousand and nick your thumb on the last one. Yeah. Because um, like that's the setup of like He's he's injured himself, 
and he'll do it again. And, and he'll and he'll probably do it again because he doesn't wear gloves. Mm-hmm. And because he says too, like you don't need them if you do it right. Correct. And you have Peter kind of just in the background mm-hmm. over here taking this all in. And again, moving his chess pieces ever so lightly, ever mm-hmm. so slowly, just just waiting for the perfect time. And when uh, when we discover kind of the most, in my opinion, the most intense scene at the end when they're when when he's making the rope. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the way that it's shot mm-hmm. because it's so homoerotic. <laughs> like, it, it reminded me almost of like the what is it like the the clay making scene in ghost right like it's got like this very sexualized feeling but also like at the same time too this very tense it's so tense and and i i almost wish that like we got to see more of kind of like that relationship bloom of like phil and peter yeah because i i the i guess second time around when i rewatched it after i fell asleep like that's what I was getting. I was like, oh, okay, like this is very much like a a scenario of like rep- repressed homosexuality. Of course. And I was waiting for like more of that, and then yeah. we got like everything that happened to Phil afterwards. Yeah. But like watching it in full this time, it's again just like this kind of like sinister feeling to it because it's like you know what's going to happen now. Yeah, and like when we get to that moment, I mean, and and they're talking about Bronco Henry, and he's talking about he's like building this. He's making this rope and he's he's like resting it up against his hips and mm-hmm. he's throwing his hips into it. And then he's talking about Bronco Henry and he's like the rope is very like phallic mm-hmm. and he's, you know, groping it and stroking it and whatnot. Or when he lights a cigarette and then like gives it to right, him. Right, yeah. I mean, all of that. And like that's where you really realize that Phil is gay and and has been repressing it for probably two decades, mm-hmm. probably like 20 years or so. Like, Bronco Henry was probably like the closest thing that he had to like making a relationship. And then after he died, it was like, well, I'm just going to shove this down deep inside me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And never show it ever, you know, never show it. And then Peter showing up and Mm -hmm. again, Phil, I think seeing himself in Peter a little bit and, and getting those feelings starting to come up and him getting angry almost because mm-hmm. it because these feelings that he thought he hid away for so long are now starting to show again. Mm-hmm. It's I think that is where this movie shines. And like when you when you look at it from that perspective of what's going on, I think that this movie is incredible. Yeah. I think of course there have been some issues and whatnot mm-hmm. about editing choices and whatnot that I think take away a little bit from it and, and distract it. But at its core of what this film is about. Yeah. Like the themes of this film like hit hard. Oh yeah. And again, like if nothing else, like I just wish I got to see like a little bit more of like that Phil and Peter relationship blooming. Yeah. Cause it's like, you have something strong by the end and you really have it where it's like, there was that turning point, especially to like when they're looking over the hill and Phil asks him like, what do you see? He's, he's like, like a, a barking dog. dog. Yeah. And he's like, you saw that already? Yeah. And it's like, like they get each other and he starts to actually like him. Like he starts to understand him and it's no longer this point of like, it's no longer a con. Yeah. It's no longer, I'm doing this because I want to get at Rose. It's, right. I'm doing this because I want you to grow and I want to be with you. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just wish we got like a little bit more of that, but like, man, but Peter brains over brawn for oh, Peter. Of course. Right. Like a million times, like a very, very smart, very calculated, like using the rope, knowing that he still has the open wound. He's gonna like, use the hides that like are anthrax filled and that's going to get inside of him and then at that point in time like 
there's nothing you can do. You're dead. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and the thing is watching it the third time, it took mm -hmm. me, it took me three times to realize this was when uh, Phil calls Peter over when, when he's like walking and he's like, come over here. I think we got off on the wrong foot. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to make this, you know, whip for you and I'll show you like how to use it. And he goes, you know, how long is that going to take Phil? And he goes, you know, before you go to summer Mm -hmm. and Peter says to him, well, then I guess that won't be, I guess it won't be very long, Phil. To me, that's Peter telling him, I'm going to kill you. Like, mm-hmm. you don't you don't have much longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, that is insane yeah. to, to realize that that's what that means. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I took away from it. And you know what's cool, too? Like, the entire time of the film, they're talking about, like, Phil and, like, how he lives and, like, how he works and, like, he wouldn't come to dinner because he wouldn't wash up. And, like, there was that very awkward scene of, like, George, like, telling him, like, maybe, maybe you should wash up. Yeah. Because they, they think you stink. Yeah. Um, And it's at that point where it's, like, he kind of knows that he's going to die. Like, he's he's on his last leg. And that's the point that we get him in a suit and, like, a, a top hat, like, where he's actually, like, kind of, like, put together. Right, yeah. And it's, like, in that last moment is when he decided to kind of, like, be more, like, presentable. Right. And... And then, of course, to like him in the casket, like being in like the suit and like the sh- clean shaven face and everything like that. It's yeah. like in like in those last moments was when he tried to kind of like reconcile. But a even bit. in those last moments, he was thinking about Peter. Exactly. It's like, where's Peter? Like, I, I give him the he rope. Goes, he tries. Yeah, he tries to get the rope to him. Mm-hmm. It's like. Oh God! Mm-hmm. It, it's really good. Those parts, yes. <laughs> yeah. Those parts are so good. <laughs> like there is something here. Yeah. Um, and then of course, I mean, I think it's a perfect ending. Yeah. I think it is a perfect ending. It is a situation where it's like, you don't really get like the comeuppance that like you thought you were going to get, but like you get it. It's what you need. It's, it's, it, it's, you get them <laughs> and you realize like Peter's not one to fuck with. Right. And this is what he did to make sure that his mother is happy. And like, if he George fucks up, he's going to do this to him too. He saves his mother's life. Mm-hmm. I love when he's sitting there looking at it at the rope and he's got the gloves on and he tucks mm-hmm. it underneath the bed and yep. he looks out the window and he sees them and they're they're better. Like mm-hmm. he's he's saved his mom mm-hmm. and he saved his own life and and he just walks away and like and, and it's just like wow, I, I it's it's a I think it's a powerful ending. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think it's just not what you were expecting. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why people don't I think that's why people think that it's boring. Or whatever. It's because it's not what they thought it was going to be. And this movie takes its time. This mm-hmm. movie this movie shows you, again, bronze over... I mean, uh, brain, brain over, over bronze. bronze. I will say the trailer does depict this a completely opposite way. Never watched it. it I don't watch trailers. It, I know. Um, <laughs> but it makes it look more of like a standard Western with like some thriller aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And that's not what this movie is. And yeah. and maybe again, like maybe it's a situation where it's like, like you, I just, I got to stop watching trailers because like it's something that either disappoints me or excites me. Yeah. That's usually, that's honestly usually what, what happens because trailers are so hit and miss. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get because you don't know who made the trailer, right? They're, they're trying to make it as market, as marketable as possible. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to appeal to as the masses as much as they can. So if if a thriller, if if it comes across like a thriller western, that's what's going to get asses in seats. Mm-hmm. Then that's what they'll do. I know. Like I always think of Crimson Peaks trailer. It's the worst trailer <laughs> ever because it's a straight up horror movie mm-hmm. that that they're that they're showing and for it's a just gothic not. romance and film. It's just not what it is. Mm-hmm. It's 
I yeah, that's I mean that's the main reason. The only time I ever watch trailers is if I go down to a theater and I have no other choice. Yeah. Right? No, you can you can put in earbuds in like a just close my eyes yeah. and la 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 la. <laughs> yeah, just, Who's that guy in the front row for twelve minutes straight? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, but that's for the most part the only time I ever watch trailers. I try to stay away from trailers as much as possible because I think going in with a preconceived idea of what this film is usually sets you up for disaster. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I think a lot of people probably don't like a film like this because it, it's depicted one way because they're trying to get asses in seats and then it's a completely different thing. But it's funny because it's a Netflix original. So it's well, like, you, you, but, but it was, it was shown in theaters out in like in Europe and stuff mm, because they don't have Netflix. No, they do. <laughs> but the way, so the way that that works, right. Is usually, um, a film that is made will then go through like the cycle of going through like a, let's just as an, as an example, like the Tribeca film festival or mm-hmm. something. And then the film gets made and then there's like a bidding war that happens and Netflix will go there and say, we want this on our, on our streaming platform. We'll give you X amount of dollars for it. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a Netflix original, even mm-hmm. though Netflix had nothing to do with it oh, okay. in the beginning. They bought it. It's on their thing. Now it's a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. So it, it was going through the circuit. A bunch of people saw it. There was a bidding war. Netflix won. It's a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are some actual Netflix originals that say Netflix is going to put Stranger Things as a Netflix original. That mm-hmm. is a thing that was made by Netflix. But like in this situation, it's like... They found it. They bought it. They wanted it on their platform. Got it. So okay. that's how that's how like you, you gotta you know so you gotta kind of understand that a little bit. But um, I don't know. Overall, I would say I really like this movie a lot. I don't think that it's in. I think that it is incredible, but I think that it, it gets handicapped a little bit by some poor editing choices and um, the the paces. It can be a little tedious at at points. Again, I don't mm-hmm. think this movie is without its flaws, but the themes that I take away from it, similar to like Rebel Without a Cause, where yeah. I didn't love the film, but the themes I think are what elevates it for yeah. me and what makes it um, potentially almost great. It's a six out of ten for me for ropes. I'm feeling I'm feeling a solid eight for me. Mm. I really liked it a lot. Um, I give it six literally just because of the themes, Benedict Cumberbatch and like the whole arc of Peter. And the gay. And the gay. That's that's in there and that gets it up there. I that's like, at least three points right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I it's just it's funny to it's funny to watch a movie with somebody and then get completely kind of just different perspectives as to like how much you like it or how much you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um I like it a lot. I think I think it's worth your time. Um so I have a recommendation. Mm-hmm. The last movie stars on HBO Max. It is a short film sort of docu-series directed by Ethan Hawke. Hmm. And it's all about um, Paul Newman. Okay. Who's one of my all-time favorites. uh, And his wife. And they they were both movie stars they had a ton of they, they did a bunch of work together they they were i think in like 12 or 16 movies and shows and broadway plays grand total all together and um they kind of start off saying that uh you know that these are kind of like the last movie stars because we're in a generation now where netflix series and mm-hmm. like you know television shows and and the limited series are kind of what people are gravitating more towards and feet and films unfortunately are not kind of like what they used to be yeah so these guys in their prime of this old school kind of hollywood are kind of like the last of an era like mm-hmm. they were there's really no movie stars anymore it is interesting because i do think about that where it's like like situations of like sylvester stallone like arnold schwarzenegger it's like 
you weren't you weren't going to see like the series of films that they're in. You're going to see them. Yeah. And it's like there's not really that many actors nowadays no. that's like that. No, at least not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I think it's a great little thing. So Paul Newman like basically did like a giant memoir of his entire life and he has all these audio recordings of all of these people in his life and interviews and whatnot Ooh. and, and it's, kind of, it's similar to um val kilmer val yeah. kilmer like where he kind of recorded a bunch yeah, of val. a bunch of his life uh this is a little bit different but it's like audio but unfortunately all the audio got burned in a fire mm. he destroyed it all for some reason hmm? but everything that he that he that he had recorded was transcribed so ethan hawk has these like boxes and boxes of like thousands of pages and he gets all of his actor friends mm-hmm. to to read. Mm. Um, so like George Clooney is reading as Paul Newman. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and 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 you're just seeing all of these old photos and movies, Marlon Brando, James Dean, just like the last of an era, mm-hmm. and um, Paul Newman, of course. And uh, it's a really really good series so far. I haven't finished it, but um, I'm really enjoying it a lot. It's really cool to see that that era of Hollywood. That's cool. I'm yeah. gonna check that out. Yeah, it's very, it's really cool. It's on HBO Max. The last movie stars. Zach, what are we doing next? We are going to be having a discussion about good or bad ambiguous films. Mm. Okay, cool. Look forward to that. Zach, huh? Take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank, for what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? <laughs>